Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Late Night Mike and Mike Show. I'm your host, Dallas Mike, and as always, we have... Michael Westbrook from Idaho, And always. Uh, just wanted to go ahead and let you guys know, sorry about last week, we didn't get an episode going. Um, there just wasn't too much information coming out about training camp, and we really wanted to have some valuable content and not just do a light show. So we took some time and we decided this week we're going to cover fantasy football. Um, so I realize not everybody's favorite, but for those of you that are in some fantasy leagues, this should give you some valuable information. And uh, we also have a special episode this week because we have our first guest. Uh, his name is Austin. And uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, jump on in, Austin? Yeah. Hey, so my name is Austin. I'm also from Idaho, just like Michael. Uh, huge New Orleans Saints fan. Not sure what else you want me to say. Well, I, let, let me ask you this. So, are, are you originally from Idaho? Yeah, born and raised. All right, then, just like me, for everybody who it always calls me a traitor because I'm not a Cowboys fan and I'm in Dallas, uh, what made you become a Saints fan? So, I actually became a Saints fan because of Madden. I used to always play my brother growing up, and he'd always beat me. And so finally, this one time, I was like, I don't know who to be. And he's like, oh, you could be the Saints. They have Reggie Bush and Deuce McAllister. So I played as the Saints, beat them for the first time. I've been a Saints fan ever since. I mean, that's absolutely great. Because, you know, there's always that one team that you're going to gravitate to when you're playing bad and you're playing NCAA, you know, you're playing any of those sports games. There's always going to be that one team that gives you that edge. Um, so I can definitely respect it. Um, but I think, you know, we, we mentioned fantasy. I got to be honest. Uh, anytime you try to pick up a fantasy player, Sean Payton is evil because you never know who he's going to play that week. Every week he's got a new favorite player and it's just, it's so hard to, I mean, you know, right now, uh, something I'm sure you're going to talk about. You've got two quarterbacks that are coming in, uh, Jameis Winston, and you've got Taysom Hill. Uh, who's he going to start? And do you draft one of those two quarterbacks? Yeah, you know, I'm not going to lie. In my fantasy past, I've never been big into drafting Saints players. And that honestly is because of Sean Payton's evilness and his lack of us never knowing who's going to play. For example, last year, I happened to catch Taysom Hill on that week where he was eligible as a quarterback and a tight end. And that was maybe the craziest thing I've ever seen in fantasy before like that. As far as the quarterback situation for the New Orleans Saints this year, I love Taysom Hill. However, I really do believe that Jameis Winston is going to be the starter this year. And so I'm not sure what they're going to do with Taysom Hill as far as his positions in fantasy. There was only that one week where he was eligible for both. The rest of the time he was a tight end and they weren't counting his passing or his receiving. It was the weirdest mix. And so I'm not sure Taysom Hill is the best pick, but I'm also not sure if Jameis Winston is the greatest pick. No, I mean, I can definitely agree with it. I mean, when he when he left Tampa Bay, there was kind of an uncertainty with Jameis Winston uh, where when he when he I believe it was right before he got traded or right after he got traded to the Saints. Uh, I think he kind of came out and said, oh, hey, by the way, guys, I got that eye surgery I needed. And everybody was kind of like, wait, what? And he was like, oh, yeah, uh, my vision wasn't the greatest. Um, I needed eye surgery and he gets it done. Do you think, and, and, you know, this was the right, right after the season where he had more interceptions than he did, com, uh, completed touchdowns. Do you, I mean, do you think that's going to be a big factor for him going into this season, actually being able to see now, or do you think maybe 
he could see well enough and he just wasn't up to par. I honestly don't know. If you look at him in college, he was an amazing player, obviously. And so I'm not sure what happened to his eyes in those first five years with the Buccaneers. He's very untested with the New Orleans Saints. You know, he jumped in when Drew Brees got injured last year for the rest of that game. Did okay. He had that one really good play in the playoffs. I just feel like he's really untested with the Saints. I'm not sure how he's going to flow into Sean Payton's scheme. But when it comes to the quarterback decision for the New Orleans Saints, picking Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston results in a totally different scheme look than they've had the last 16 years with Drew Brees. No, I mean, it's definitely totally different. Um, I mean, overall, I mean, for if you're if you're going to be talking fantasy, I think uh, the the person that we're going to see get drafted the most probably Alvin Kamara, because regardless of whether you have Taysom Hill or whether you have Jameis Winston, he has to be that staple of you know who you who who are you who is your safety net, and I feel like that's Alvin Kamara. Um, I mean, I'm sure we'll see Latavius Murray get some you know get some touches in there. Um, but at the wide receiver position, I feel like they're just kind of one of those teams that they have good wide receivers, but none of them to me are, st- they're not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick them as elite wide receivers. I, how do you feel about that? Well, real quick before Austin jumps back on, I'm, I, you know, I'm a, I've been thinking, is Michael Thomas going to produce like he did last year, or is he going to produce under or over? Um, so I definitely want to hear what Austin thinks. You know, is Kamara going to be that crutch, that that person that saves whatever QB they throw in? And then will Michael Thomas just have a bust of a year, or is he going to actually do well? You know, I think Alvin Kamara, no matter what, is going to be stellar. He's an absolutely stellar running back. He's an amazing running, and he's really good in the passing game, which the Saints took advantage of with Drew Brees there. And we saw this last year. Drew Brees' arm was a little less, and Alvin Kamara really picked up that lack by getting those short little dump-off passes and making a ton of yards on them. When it comes to wide receiver, I really don't know. I think that Michael Thomas could have a really good year, just like the year he had before this last one. This last year was a little off for him. He was injured, and just some things weren't going well for that team just the whole way through, kind of. However, I think that Michael Thomas could excel better with Taysom Hill only because they have some chemistry together. Taysom Hill has been with the Saints for a few years. Yeah, he's only started about four games, but besides that, he's had chances to throw to Michael Thomas. He's had a lot of time to work with Michael Thomas. He's lined up with Michael Thomas as a wide receiver before. And so I think there's better chemistry there. However, whereas I think that Jameis Winston will be the starter, it's hard to say where Michael Thomas will be and how he's going to recover from last year. A lot of people speculated that he was only as good as he was because he had Drew Brees as a quarterback and Drew Brees could make anybody look good. So it's hard to say what Michael Thomas will do this next year. And if you if you were the GM in New Orleans and uh, you could overhaul any one position, is there is there a particular position that you would you would look at? Would you go for a quarterback? Would you go for wide receiver? Uh, would you you know try to draft a, a good tight end? What what do you think they're lacking the most right now? 
by overhaul you're you're referring to you know just fixing the position all, all, like entirely right michael yeah absolutely Fix, fixing yeah, okay. fixing one entirely i mean honestly i feel like on offense we're pretty good we lost quite a few people we could always use another wide receiver we lost both of our starting tight ends we could obviously use someone there if i was going to overhaul anything it would be on defense we lost so many important people in our defense this last year or this last off season. We lost a couple linebackers, some defensive linemen. We lost a lot of really stellar pieces that I would want to bring more people in to help boost our defense back up to what it was. Well, you know, and I find it interesting that you bring that up because in their schedule week one, you play Green Bay. And I think if you don't have Aaron Rodgers slinging it for Green Bay week one, I think that may be one of the best matchups that we'll see all season, not just for the Saints or for the Packers, but just entirely for games that are going to be worth watching uh, because the, it'll, it'll, you know, Green Bay is still going to have, assumably, a good offense, and it'll be a test to see what the Saints can do after losing some key pieces in the defensive position. I think my only my only uh, problem with that's going to be, you know, will it be a high scoring, interesting game to watch? You know, it'll be interesting for Saints fans to see what their you know defense can do. But for everybody else, you know, it's not going to be very fun to see the Saints possibly not score because the quarterback situation and then to possibly watch Jordan Love behind center on the Packers side. Um, It'll be an interesting game because I think it'll be two totally different QBs than we've seen in the NFC in a while. Um, but I don't know. That's going to be a weird one. What do you think, Austin? No, I definitely agree. I think what's going to be most interesting to look at is going to be the Saints offense. I can see two things happening. First and foremost, Sean Payton doing his usual you know, smoke and mirrors kind of approach where we're not going to know until the Saints roll up on the field who's going to be your starting quarterback. I can also see trying to make that decision sooner as with Jameis Winston and Tamis, uh, Taysom Hill, you're going to have a very different offensive approach based on who you have under center. That being said, I really do think Sean Payton's going to use his usual approach and we're not going to know who's going to be starting for the Saints until they go up against Green Bay. I feel like we could get a lot of different looks during the preseason that are going to cause a lot of mischief, and we're going to have no idea what's going on. And so that being said, I think it'll be most interesting to see how the Saints have adapted their offense to their new starting quarterback, as well as to see how their defense does. We still have a lot of really good people on the defense. Um, and we have Sheldon Rankins in a defensive tackle. We have Cam Jordan. We have Demario Davis. So we still have some really stellar players. We just lost a few that it's going to be hard to make up the difference. No, I definitely agree. I mean, they. The, I think there is a good core there that that New Orleans will have to build around. Uh, you know, you mentioned the big ones. Um, you know, the defensive back position probably could use a little bit more work. Um, you know, linebacker saw, you know, it, it's pretty solid, but I could definitely see some buildup going on there. Um, and the, and the line I think is pretty secure, um, as far, you know, as far as players, I mean, Cameron Jordan, Marcus Davenport, uh, I mean, those, those are going to be players that are really going to hold up well. Um, it's interesting though, how you mentioned just seeing how it turns out 
um, because I've actually got some sleepers that I want to run by y'all. And uh, first one, Rashad Penny, running back for the Seahawks, okay? So I think he's arguably probably one of my favorite sleepers uh, for this year. We've seen him in action, um, and the fantasy, you know, fantasy players are really tired uh, about, you know, seeing him break out. Um, so I think this is one of those things where he's going to see plenty of work behind Chris Carson, um, and I think he's going to be a strong flex consideration. Um, but he also offers a really big upside uh, in insurance if Carson were to miss time with an injury. Um, and so I think if you can pick him up in a later round, I would probably pick him up if I could get him. Okay. Uh, the, my only problem with that is I think the Seahawks have two starting running backs. They've got Chris Carson um, and the other one, they share they share reps almost, I don't want to say 50-50. It's a little bit more often than that. Um, I only know because I had Carson on my team last year and it seemed like anytime I needed him to score or get points, he didn't because the other guy was playing. Um, so I feel like that, that rookie going in, you know, it's going to be tough. It's going to be so tough going in and to perform and outperform somebody like Chris Carson on the Seahawks, where they're also a very pass heavy team. But, you know, as, as it goes, Chris Carson gets injured, you know, almost every season, it seems like. And so it could be very interesting to see him step up and, and take that role in, uh, and make a name for himself and see if he can secure himself a, a good position and, uh, and possibly even starting partway through the year. I mean, I've got a running back on my sleeper list, uh, and that's Najee Harris. Um, you know, the, the the Steelers have not had a stellar running back since Le'Veon Bell left. They had Connor last year, but now he's over at the Cardinals, and we're not even going to talk, talk about the stacked offense that they've got now. But Najee Harris, I think he could provide a key, key role in the running back room for uh ben roethlisberger you know he you and i kind of talked about it off the pod but i mean he's going to be that kind of person that's going to save big ben you know from possible hits you know give him that dump pass kind of like the kind of camara role that the saints have and then he's just going to be a good running back uh, he's very good about um not he's not as patient as levy on bell but he's going to bounce around and, and make that room for himself to get down the field uh, and i think the steelers need that Absolutely. And, and since you're talking about familiarity with a quarterback, uh, I think, or with the team in general, I think one of the people that we have to consider for a sleeper is going to be Jalen Waddle coming into Miami. Uh, you know, he, he played behind his quarterback there in Miami before, and he's got a really good explosiveness and speed that I think is going to give him uh, an edge uh, coming into the end of the league and, uh, you know, for fantasy. So it's one of these things where, you know, we've seen rookies that will step into the NFL and they produce, you know, right away. And I think Waddle could be the next one that does it. Uh, they just picked up Fuller and Parker uh, on the outside. So Waddle will be able to, you know, settle into the slot and take short passes from Tua. And, you know, he's got that great agility that we know uh, that they like down there in Alabama. And I think after the catch, it's going to help him get some extra yards coming in. Um, so every time that I see him pop up, uh, I think he could be, you know, rookie of the year, and um, I'm 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 picking him up every every single time. I think though on Jalen Waddle, especially if you look at the Miami Dolphins offense last year, it was kind of messy. 
you had two attack available that would go in and start the game. And then eventually it seemed that Fitzpatrick would get put in to try to salvage what had happened. So I feel like the ability for Jalen Waddle to excel is going to be purely based upon can Tua perform this season. You know, they have previous experience together, which I think will help them. But if Tua can't perform how he needs to perform this year, he's not going to have Fitzpatrick to step in and save him. And it's all going to fall on him. So Jalen Waddle's ability to be that star player you think he will be will be totally based on Tua's ability to make Waddle that player. Well, I mean, they also picked up Will Fuller, uh, who who's going to be one of those pieces. But I mean, when you draft a player at number six uh, and you're looking at Miami, I mean, they're 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 addressing key areas within their offense. So I do expect them to come in early and uh, pick up a heavy workload for them. Um, yeah, he's 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 not uh, he's not Devonte Smith, who when we're talking about rookie wideouts is is going to be a key piece that I'll talk about here in a moment. But I mean, Miami has has built some momentum the past couple of years. They're, I mean, they're not quite the same team that they used to be. So yeah, Tuba's definitely going to have his work cut out for him. But some of the things that we've seen coming in, you know, from the early reports from uh, some camp workouts, is that I mean, he's looking good. So I think if you're in Miami, and I think if you're going to pick somebody up, I think uh, Jalen Waddle is a safe rookie wideout that has fantasy potential. Now it's not guaranteed, but if we're talking, I mean, specifically looking at rookies that that have that potential, I think he's up on the board. No, I I, I definitely agree. Uh, Jalen Waddle is going to be one of those top rookie, you know, rookie players and rookie wideouts, especially. Um, you know, but I will agree with Austin. It will be based upon Tua's ability to perform. They don't have that great backup. I think it's I think it's Teddy Bridgewater, right? Um, I can't think of who his backup is. I, I I can see the face. I don't know who it is right off the top of my head, but you know it's not somebody that's so stellar that they could, you know, not that Ryan Fitzpatrick is anything you know around super stellar or anything, but he's he doesn't have a veteran behind him that could pull off the kind of salvage that uh, Fitzpatrick was able to pull off sometimes. Just so and you know, so, the backup is Jacoby Brissett. Okay, exactly. So that's even worse than Teddy Bridgewater. So I yeah, feel Br- bad. Bridgewater's you know, up I, in Denver. Yeah, as soon as I said it, I knew it was wrong, but I hoped it would spark somebody's mind on who is that guy. Um, so, you know, Jalen Waddle will be good. It will just be all dependent on uh, Tua. Now, talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick, now, I think he has a great sleeper wide receiver, and that's going to be Terry McLaurin. Um, Terry McLaurin had a great season last year with Alex Smith and Dwayne Haskins, I guess. But, you know, he was just able to perform with, you know, I don't want to say lackluster, but, you know, the kind of QB situation that they had with Dwayne Haskins not performing and then Alex Smith coming back from huge injuries, you know, Um you know, they, they, he did the best he could, you know, and I think with Fitzpatrick behind center, I think he's going to go out and have probably the best season of his career so far. Um, him and Samuel, they both can go off and be uh, sleepers. What do you think, Austin? In talking about sleepers, I honestly think Fitzpatrick could be a sleeper this season. He was stellar in Miami, really. I know he never had a lot of pieces around him, but he's shown his ability to be a good leader. Yeah, maybe he's been quarterback for probably half the teams in the league. So he's seen a lot of stuff, but he's also shown his ability to lead. We saw last year, there was a couple different times where Miami put him in to try to salvage a game that was kind of going south. 
I think putting him in a position where he is going to be the starting quarterback, and this very well could be his last season, I think we could see some really good stuff out of Fitzpatrick this season. I don't know if it's going to be enough to make Washington a Super Bowl contender or even a deep playoff contender, but I think he could put up some numbers that are going to be pretty impressive as he's able to rally Washington around him with his amazing leadership abilities. No, absolutely. I I think Fitzpatrick or Fitzmagic, as he's so often eloquently called, I think you always have to, to keep him as a contender. Um, and I've just been sitting here looking and listening to everything we've said. Um, and some people are going to slowly start to, to pick up that uh, I am a huge Alabama fan. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure some of y'all picked that up. I know, Michael, I know you've picked Why? it up already. Well, because I have to bring up Devonta Smith. And no, I, I get that they have good players. I just hate that they're so good that no other team can ever win. You I mean, know? Well, that, I that's mean, my only problem. <laughs> I mean, Clemson and Auburn both did it before, so it's not it's not yeah, impossible. Yeah, but not anymore because but... Clemson Clemson's now got new QB. You know, so that's well, my only let's, problem. Let's Nick Saban's a great coach. There. Alabama's a good team. I just don't. Well, so that, know, I don't know. Like I said, that brings up Devonta Smith, and at the same time, you've got Jalen Hurts, QB one. You know. Behind, you know, he's got Joe Flacco behind him, but it, it really, it, you know, I think if we, if we start talking about the rookie wideouts with, with huge fantasy potential, Devontae Smith has to be in this conversation because uh, Philly took him at number 10 with the expectation that he's going to contribute immediately. And that's a likely outcome for his rookie season. And he has almost a little competition for targets and he has a high volume role that should yield a lot of results. Uh, and, and Philly fielded one of the worst receiving cores in 2020 and he's the only significant upgrade that they've really had this lap, you know, this off season. So I feel like the Eagles trading up to get him really kind of shows that they expect him to to do well. I mean, their their only other noticeable person is going to be their two tight ends that you know that you see coming in, and Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. And Zach Ertz, I don't think is long for the team. So I think when we start talking about these rookies, I think you have to consider Devontae Smith. Yeah, I mean, Devontae Smith is, is uh, I don't even know who to compare him to, really. I mean, he's going to be kind of like Tyree Kill and just super fast. That small guy that can just get around and get in those really weird tight spaces that most most dudes can't fit into. You know, and I think he's going to perform well. Uh, like you said, they don't have the targets to really share with him. Uh, so, really, it's going to be also hard for him, though, because then he's just going to get double teamed every play. So... He should perform as long as he can work with those double teams and, and you know, haul in those passes, even though they're going to be difficult. All right, so Austin, I got a question for you. All right. All right, so I kind of, this is kind of an interesting segment. Uh, Michael and I kind of talked about this a little bit. So we've got we've got must-have players for for, for the for fantasy purposes for this next year, okay? And I'm going to list some positions, okay? At quarterback, okay. who is your who is your must-have quarterback for fantasy? I think the must-have quarterback is has to be Patrick Mahomes. I know last year in one of my fantasy leagues, I had the first pick and I mistakenly chose Lamar Jackson and I regretted that oh, for the rest of the season. We can't be friends. I I, I sat there and I went, do I take Jackson? Do I take Mahomes? And I chose poorly. So I think no matter what, it has to be Patrick Mahomes. He has the ability of every single quarterback on the field, plus some. 
and his ability to put up huge numbers is uncomparable. Well, I, I have to argue against you, though, because my, my must-have quarterback is going to be Lamar Jackson. Uh, do you know how many times Jackson finished with fewer than 16 uh, and a half fantasy points since uh, getting the starting job in 2019? I, I, I'm kind of with Austin. I'm going to just jump in. I'm kind of with Austin. I mean, he had a great season. His first one had a great one. His second one last year. I don't know what happened, but he, uh, well, hang on, he hang on. just the, didn't perform legit, as well. It's but, le- it's but he has question. not had very many games under 16. I think he's four. had maybe four. Okay. That was my okay, guess. Four. He's posted 21.3 or more fantasy points in 22 of his 30 games during that stretch, which is flat out ridiculous. And since becoming the starter two years ago, He's posted the QB1 type numbers in 76.7% of his games. The only other quarterback who's posted higher than 64.8% in their career is Patrick Mahomes. So I'll give you that. Patrick Mahomes is definitely good. But like, I don't know why you would be sitting uh, on, on Jackson in the conversation, um, you know, to be the first one off the board. Like Patrick Mahomes not, definitely agree. I'm not sitting on Jackson. I think what I would say is Jackson is definitely an amazing quarterback. He deserves to go in the top five to six picks in every single league. What I'm saying is I regretted taking him as the first overall pick. I think that has to go to Mahomes. Mahomes, I think, is the better quarterback. And he has, it seems, a lot more things around him and a lot more people around him that can make good things happen. And so all I'm saying is I don't think Lamar Jackson deserved my number one pick. And I regretted having picked him number one. If I'd had the second or third pick in that draft, I would have happily chosen Lamar Jackson. I just regretted passing up on Patrick Mahomes. Therefore, that's why he's my must-have quarterback. So we, we were going to do this, uh, this piece of draft advice. Uh, we were going to do it at the end. So, Michael, forgive me because I'm going to take this a little bit out of order. Um, but Michael knows I've been doing a lot of, uh, of mock drafts and I have to tell you, Austin this year, especially since you're in our fantasy league, let me go ahead and give you a pointer in your first two rounds. You should have a quarterback or I mean a running back for, it should be one of your first two picks and, uh, your second pick going into it should be whatever player has the highest upside potential as your second pick. Um, but so far, uh, first round. Pretty much only running backs I've seen that are going elite running backs. And uh, going into the third round, the most notable things that that's happening uh, in third round picks this year is that it's the last chance for the elite tight ends. And that's when the super elite quarterbacks like Mahomes uh, and and Jackson are being picked. So definitely, definitely sleep on the quarterbacks a little early this year. All right. (laughs) He's shaking his head no. <laughs> I think I think the big problem is is last year. Um, Austin, so Austin and I, just to give a little a little background, um, Austin and I brought our wives who've never anything to football until they got married to us, and and so they were so it was us four, and then like some other friends and my brother in law. But you know, it was it was. An, a very interesting draft. I mean, Austin and I were probably two out of three, four people who know football at all. And so we had all kind of ability to pick whoever we wanted. And so that's, I, I don't know. What do you do in your personal drafts outside of ours besides, you know, because you said that you picked Lamar Jackson first round with your first pick, you know, 
most people are probably listening to this like, what are you doing? Why would you draft a QB? Yeah, but you know, that's... I picked Tom Brady, my first pick. So like, you know, what did you do in the other, in your other drafts? Did you do the same thing? You know, whether or not it was a different QB, did you pick a QB in your other drafts last year? First round? Absolutely not. Okay, well, I, I hope you don't. <laughs> I hope you don't do that in this league because <laughs> you might you might pay the price for that. Okay, you because you have to play according to who is in the league with you. As Michael said, there was what maybe 10, 12 people in our league, and there was three or four of us that even knew people's names. You know, and so in picking, I went well. There's a better chance, and you know, you always hear about quarterback this, quarterback that. And so I figured, well, these people that don't know football, they're going to draft a quarterback first. And they're going to draft from the five names that they've heard come up on the news. You know, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and maybe Drew Brees. You know, these names you hear a lot, and even if you don't like football, you've heard them. So I, of course, had to go, okay. If I don't take him now, he's going to be gone in the first round. And there was quite a few running backs available when I came back for my next few picks. Because the people that were picking, I think half the people were on auto draft. I know my wife was. And so the drafting, it was just a draft unlike any other draft I will have ever been in or will probably ever be in again. Okay, so I, I do have to, I have to give you some inside information here. <laughs> And uh, to my two friends that are listening, I'm sorry to give away some of your information, but it's about to happen. Uh, so I, so we, we each brought in some friends, right? Including, you know, Michael's wife is in the league. Uh, doing an oh, team. Wait, my, my wife's playing with us? Uh, is he, she really? Did you already forget? I didn't think we put her in. I thought we only had real football <laughs> people in. <laughs> yeah, she's in the league, bro. Awesome. She's I get to our... draft twice this year. <laughs> she's in our I division. Two teams. <laughs> oh, you're not drafting for her. Just keep in mind, keep in mind, as as your draft commissioner, I get to veto any trades. Little insight on Michael's wife. Lovely lady, has the best ability to screw you over in a draft of anyone I've ever met. There were multiple times uh -oh. Uh -oh. that I went to draft somebody, and she would draft the pick before me, and she'd go, oh, I got a kicker. And I'd go, that was my kicker. You've never even heard his name. So let me let me give you some information here, Austin. Okay, so so we each brought in some friends, all right. And uh, my other two friends are very competitive, and they're not like they they are going to draft. Uh, you know, like we are playing for money. Okay, so they they are going to come in and they are going to draft strong. So I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you that now. Uh, but I also want to point this out though. So while Michael, you have a wife, Austin. Are you are you married? Yeah, he he has a wife. Okay, yeah, so I have a wonderful, just, beautiful wife. Well, congratulations. Uh, but our wives are two, listening in the other room, so they we you know yeah. The descriptions of our wives are going to get only better as we keep talking about them. So remember, clap if you need help. But uh, so since you're both married, that means <laughs> neither one of y'all is going to win the league. Now let me tell you why. Because when you're married, and it comes time to oh, we have to go to church, or oh, we have to go shopping, or we need to do this, or we have to do this for the kids. All the single people in the league will be sitting there tinkering, and we'll be looking at the waiver wire. We'll have last update information that you won't get to check because you'll be with your family. So when you lose, just remember that, okay? Well, I, I will tell you one thing. 
one thing my wife will attest to is I'm really, really bad at just hyper-focusing on something. And especially during fantasy season, I will look at my fantasy team. I will look at who's open to pick up. I will look at trades. And my wife hates football season. Both of our wives do. Like, Austin's laughing. Like, I'm pretty sure our wives are over there. Like, why do we let our husbands do this? Why do we care? Why do we marry these people? Because we, you know... Most normal people, you know, they're, they're going to look at their wives and be like, hey, babe, I love you. Um, I won't look at fantasy football this week. I'll wait till next week. We're really bad about that. <laughs> all, so, I'm, all I'm hearing right now is the trombone is playing the, 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 the sound from the price is right. The boom, 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 right there at the <laughs> end because somebody's lost. And uh, what I'm hearing is this league is not meant for this world for long because the wives are going to get fed up real quick. And this league is just going to slowly fall apart. That's what I'm hearing right now. But it's okay. As it falls apart, it makes it a little bit easier for us to keep <laughs> up. Or or we'll just keep not letting it be, you know, money. And we won't put any money down. And, and we'll be safe. Because if I take last and lose no money, what did I really lose? Bragging rights? No, we're not putting any money down, Austin. Don't worry. <laughs> he mouths to me. We're putting money down? <laughs> So, so as long as we don't put money down, I'm not going to really be too mad because I didn't lose money and the fantasy. All right. So yeah, I'll be honest. Of... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I have the worst absolute luck with fantasy year in and year out. You know, I'm the guy that in the first round, I draft somebody like Saquon Barkley and then they go and, you know, tear their ACL. And so for me, I will always be involved and I'll always try my best, but I will sit there and I will watch as the flames just kind of surround me as I lose half my starting lineup in the first two weeks. So for me as well, I never put a lot of focus in the draft just because my track record is I draft those that are going to get injured. And so it really just, you know, my, my play is in the waiver wire. All right, so what I'm hearing here is that we are going to very specifically have to have an episode after our draft where we're just going to tell everybody your lineup so they know not to draft those people so they don't get screwed over. Yeah, That's what I mean, I'm our, draft, our draft is pretty early. So I think, I think what we'll have to do is we'll have to have Austin on twice, right? We'll have Austin on and, and tell us, like, if he could have the perfect draft, who he, who, who he would pick. And then we'll jot those notes down and say, maybe we shouldn't pick them up because they might get injured. Well, and then we'll have an episode after our draft. And then we'll warn everybody and say, don't pick these people. They will get injured 95%. That being said, if I could draft anybody, it would be the entire Tampa Bay starting lineup. In the prayer and the hope that they suffer and go 0-17 this season. You know, I'm not a Bucks fan. I'm definitely a Brady fan, which makes me love the Bucks. And I hate that you said that. But even if the Bucks lose every game, I don't think the Saints will make it to the playoffs. <laughs> of course not. They they already have to beat the rest of the league. Not to mention the refs. I mean, it's hard to be it's hard to be a Saints fan. At least when you're a fan of the dog <sighs> pound, you know it's because your team sucks. But when you're a Saints yeah. fan, you got to compete against the refs too. That is, it's not fun. But. On, on a serious note, all right, if you could have any running backs for fantasy purpose for this next season, who are you picking? <sighs> Me? Oh, man. I'm, I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey 
Um, I don't know if he's eligible for any comeback player of the year, but I think he's going to be on the Christian McCaffrey 2021 revenge tour. Um, that fool is just going to go ham. I don't know who the QB is going to throw to. I don't. Who's the QB? Is it Carson Wentz? I think it's, I don't know. Somebody. No, Carson Wentz in the Colts. Sam, Sam Darnold. Oh, geez. Really? Oh, the Bucks are totally winning the division, first of all. Second, McCaffrey's always going to get the ball every play because I don't think Sam Darnold's going to be able to make a single pass to anybody else on the team. Uh, so I'm going McCaffrey because, one, Henry, even though he's a great QB, <laughs> Henry has now competition with Julio Jones and Antonio, or not Antonio Brown, A.J. Brown. Uh, Dalvin Cook still has Thielen and Jefferson he's got to compete with. Um, and then Kamara... He's going to be up there, but I don't think Sean Payton will run the ball as much as he probably should. And then Barkley, of course, I think even though I'd love to see him come back and be a beast, I think he needs to take a decently good year instead of a, an amazing year so that he can not so that he makes sure he doesn't get injured again. Um, but what about you, Mike? What do you think um, so who's I, your must have? So I, I got to bring this up because you, you already mentioned this player once, uh, but Najee Harris and Pittsburgh. Uh, there's no downside to, to taking Harris. Uh, he's incredibly talented. He's a three down running back and the team made no secret of their desire to draft him. And they used their first round draft pick to do so. Um, and I think the big thing here is that his quarterback is in a decline with his arm strength. I mean, big Ben was just in the news. I think it was today because he mentioned he's trying to go on a diet and lose weight. Uh, and, and he's, he's trying to be a Tom Brady and, you know, play through some of that age. Uh, and the, and the Steelers offense this year took a big hit. Um, and it's, it's not going to be good this year, uh, just like it wasn't last year. So I think Harris's workload is going to be, you know, is going to be up there His likely role is going to be the safety blanket for Ben Roethlisberger. Um, so he's drafted to be an enor enormous part of that offense. Uh, you know, he's got, he's very explosive. Um, so I'm hoping that, uh, he, he's probably the most, the, number one quarterback or uh, running back that I would take. Um, the other option that I think you could argue for would probably be Nick Chubb uh, for the dog pound coming into that Browns offense. Um, you know, they feed him the ball a lot uh, and that includes on play action. Um, so Kareem Hunt is still around, uh, but Chubb asserted his dominance when he came back from the end, uh, you know, when he returned from injury. So I think he has a real chance to give Derrick Henry a run for his money for 2021. Yeah, no, for sure. I think if I, you know, I'm going to go with, of course, you know, the probably the big top three. You know, first off, Henry. I know what I agree with what Michael said. Henry might get less of a workload with there being more people there for Ryan Tannehill to throw to. But in reality, I think that might help Henry actually excel better if he has that ability to be better than he already is. Because, you know, the last couple of years, when you've been trying to figure out a defense to go up against the Titans it's been stop Derrick Henry that's been your only goal you've put every man at him he has the ability to plow through five guys and still keep going but that's been how you've planned for him I think his defenses have to plan for the extra people that the Titans have brought in and as they're trying to plan for the potential pass that really hasn't been there in the past I think that's going to really open up Derrick Henry to do a lot more damage than he's already done I think besides Henry, I have to go with Kamara, of course. As a New Orleans man, I love Kamara. But also, I think with their unique quarterback situation 
And no matter what happens with those two quarterbacks, I think Kamara is going to get a lot heavier of a load. And then my third one, and maybe this one's a little weird, but and probably not a first rounder, but I think uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he had a pretty good season with Kansas City last year, and I think he could up the ante and be even better this year. So I think he, more of a sleeper running back, but I think he has the ability to add a really solid, you know, RB2 or a flex or a backup. No, I definitely. So I think, I think, uh, you know, Hilaire has, has a huge upside there. Um, you know, I think he's definitely going to be taking, uh, I think he's going to be taking a lot of third downs. I think he's going to take it for, he's going to take it to a lot of first downs. Uh, so I, I think he's definitely a wise choice. Um, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because somebody that former teammate, Jamar Chase, wide receiver, I think he's one of these players, um, you know, more and more college football uh, wide receivers are coming into the NFL and are making an immediate impact. Um, so whether that was DK Metcalf a couple of years ago uh, to Justin Jefferson trying to break records last season, uh, you know, there are a lot of rookies who are in this conversation in the in the league. So I think Chase coming into the NFL um, I think he's one of these people. Uh, he's now reunited with his college quarterback. The offense figures, uh, you know, to pass the ball at a ridiculous rate again. And uh, I, for this, I think top 15 finish is nothing crazy to predict for Jamar Chase uh, as a rookie right out. I mean, Jamar Chase, we've talked about him a ton. I love the guy. I think he's going to do super amazing. Um, was that your must have? Jamar Chase is your must have, or is he your your? Uh, yeah, he's a he's a must have. He's a, he's a must have wide receiver. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think my must have wide receiver. That one's see that that one's a hard one. Um, because I like Hill. Um, I like Hopkins. I like Diggs. Um, those guys are obviously wide receiver one of each team that they're on. Um, and then it see it still gets even harder for me because I've got Julio Jones, Devontae Adams, and Mike Evans. I'm not going to talk about all of them, but those are my must-haves. I mean, they've got to go round one, if not early round two. Truly, any single one of those guys is going to go off as they are wide receiver one. Uh, my only worries would be Devontae Adams might not have Aaron Rodgers behind center. Uh, Mike Evans seemingly knows how to get hurt sometimes, and I think that's because Austin likes to pick him on fantasy, maybe. Um, but, I mean, Tyree Kill's always a really good choice. I, he... He gets Hail Marys, I think, probably, I don't know, 80 times a game and scores like 90 touchdowns every freaking week. So Hill's a good option. Hopkins is obviously easy, too. So that's my wide receiver for sure you got to have. What about you, Austin? I think a really good potential one this year is going to be Julio Jones, of course. I think, you know, he had Matt Ryan at quarterback and Matt Ryan's an amazing quarterback and the Atlanta Falcons kind of struggled. I think Julio Jones can come into Tennessee and even with a quarterback who's not as good as Matt Ryan, I think Julio Jones is going to bring energy and he's going to be excited about being on a new team that seems to have a better potential than Atlanta's had for the last few years. So I feel like Julio Jones could be a really good pick. He's always a great wide receiver. And I feel like he's going to bring some stuff to Tennessee that could really help Tennessee keep fighting. Um, Besides him, I'm going to go, of course, with Devontae Adams as well. It will kind of be dependent on if Aaron Rodgers is there, but I do think that Jordan Love is good enough that if Jordan Love is called upon, I think he will find an easy, quick target in Devontae Adams, and that will be a really big thing for them. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, guys, I think we're gonna take a real quick ad break. Um, so we'll catch you back here in just a minute. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Um, right before we left, we were talking about must have players for this year. And I've got kind of an interesting combo for y'all. All right. So wide receiver, I got to bring up CD lamb because last season as a rookie magic right off the bat, 2020 with Dak Prescott, where I think Dak Prescott can be one of these players that I think is worth drafting, at least in fantasy. Um, you know, he was throwing for almost 5,000 yards and within his first four games last season, he was on pace to, to hit that number and beyond. Uh, and you know, I think if he's cut, you know, coming off that week five injury, if he's fully healthy, I think Prescott will light up the scoreboard this season because we already know how bad the NFC East is. Uh, and you know, he's definitely, you know, has that potential to be an elite quarterback for as much as people don't want to say so. I think he's worth picking up. And then you factor in CD Lamb. He still managed to haul in seven, you know, without Dak, he managed to haul in 74 receptions on 111 targets, 935 yards, seven touchdowns. So I think Lamb is going to get a huge volume for the Cowboys. Uh, and he carries a little bit better weekly full, uh, floor than Amari Cooper does with an equal, you know, ceiling to him. Um, so I think CD Lamb and Dak Prescott, if you draft the two of them, Sure, you're going to have to, you know, make some bye week adjustments. And uh, if your league allows for it, where you can have multiple quarterbacks and, and you can pick up some other receivers uh, or get some players off the waiver, I think that combo right there is going to be a little bit underrated than what people think they're going to be this season. I see now that's hard. CeeDee Lamb, great player, right? I'm not going to disagree. He's a great player. I feel bad that he got put on a team where, you know, you do lose your starting QB. I am not a fan of Dak Prescott, so I'm going to try and, and be really unbiased with what I say. I agree with you. I'm not a huge fan of Dak but, Prescott either, but he you, he puts up fantasy points. I, I, I'm sorry. He, he does. He does. It's, it's tough because, you know, I don't think it's any credit to Dak. Um, the only reason Dak's going to get a lot of points is because Amari and CeeDee Lamb both know how to run up the field, get extra yardage, you know, catch it, break a tackle and keep going and then let the safety take them. I think that's credit to them, not Dak. And I, I know that's kind of, you know, whether or not you're saying that, I do agree CeeDee Lamb is a great um, player. Again, uh, we have the problem of do we worry that the QB will be able to perform or stay healthy enough to give them the possessions that they need to go off, to do better than they did last year? Well, I think, I think, like I just, I mentioned the stats there with Dak Prescott down, he still had 74 receptions for 934 yards uh, or 935 with seven touchdowns. Uh, th those are good numbers without having your primary quarterback. Now, granted, they did have the Red Rocket as their backup for a number of weeks that, you know, afterwards until he got injured as well. But I, it, when, when you're talking about fantasy, I do have to set aside uh, my bias against being against Dallas, even though I live in Dallas. Dak Prescott is great because he does have those deep threats in Amari Cooper and now CeeDee Lamb. I think that's what makes them viable for, for fantasy. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to deny that when you look at their numbers, they, they both get good fantasy numbers. Um, so I think that it, it's going to be hard to ignore that. 
uh, for as much as I don't like the Cowboys, especially the fans living here in Dallas every year having to listen to, it's going to be our year, it's going to be our year. No, it's never going to be your year again. That's fine. But when it comes to fantasy, if it's the year that I bring home the fantasy, you know, trophy, uh, whether I have CD Liam or Dak Prescott on there, if I bring the trophy home, I, I really don't care if they're Cowboys players at the end of the day. No, yeah, that's a really good point. You have to really drop your bias when it comes to fantasy football. You really have to just look at how good is a player. For example, you know, Michael here loves, loves Tom Brady. I do not like Tom Brady. I do like him better now that he's on the Bucks, even though he is in my division. I do not like the Patriots. But I still ended up with him one year. I drafted him as a QB2. My QB1 went down, and I ended up playing Brady, and he did pretty good. And I kept him there because he was doing good. And my other quarterback never came back. Dak Prescott does have the ability to be a really good quarterback. I do worry him coming off of such a substantial injury. No matter how good of a player you are, no matter how athletic you are or strong you are, a injury of that nature can be really hard to come back from. And I feel like he might have to change his play style a little bit. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know how he's going to look. But also drafting a quarterback and a wide receiver combo, I have both found great reward in that. And I've also been really bit by that in the past. One year I had Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson, and I've never had a better duo. I almost won the league only because of those two. I've also tried that other years with other quarterback and wide receiver combos, and it bit me really hard. Well, see, I think that's the beautiful thing. I think also between the two of them, whether you just get CeeDee Lamb or you just get Dak Prescott, I think, you know, especially if you look at our league, 18 league, where we do have kind of a deep bench, I do feel that whether you're picking them up off the waiver uh, just for a single week for a bye week or whether you're drafting one of them to be a primary role, I think there's upside to having one or two of them. I agree. It's always going to be a gamble when you look at it and you go, oh, do I want this combo? Uh, or whether you're getting Amari Cooper either. I mean, I think it's one of those things just if you look at the, the, the pure fantasy numbers, I think the numbers do speak for themselves in terms of should I draft this person? I think it's I think it's there, especially if you're in a in a, in a you know 14 team league, 12 team league where a lot of of, of good players are going to be gone quickly. I think CD Lamb offers a viable option for a lot of people who need a good wide receiver, whether it's in their two, whether they want to play him in a flex, whatever they're trying to do. I think it it offers that. Um, there there's somebody that I used to play with in one of my old leagues um, where you mentioned Aaron Rodgers, where. You know, Aaron Rodgers is is one of those people, you know, if you're a Cowboys fan, you really hate Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but I know he goes up and he likes to pick up Aaron Rodgers because he's so consistent. Um, sure, Dak may not necessarily be consistent yet, uh, but I think if you pick up either one of those two, I think you're, you're going to be happy with the numbers they produce as long as they stay healthy. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So let me run by you guys a another duo that's a little bit different. Um, Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook or Julio Jones and Derrick Henry um, obviously Thielen you can switch out with Jefferson if you like him better or with uh, Jones you can switch out AJ Brown whatever um, but what do you guys think about getting the wide receiver and running back duo um, you know combo because when it's not thrown it's going to be ran right so what do you guys think about that idea um, I guess we can start with Austin 
you know, again, going back to those duos, I think that can really be awesome and you can get a lot of points. But when you start bringing together combos, you're heavily basing your success on one team's offense. And yeah, some teams can be pretty predictable. But, you know, sometimes players aren't predictable and I'm afraid, at least I've been bit more times than I've been rewarded on having duos, whether that was wide receivers and running backs or wide receivers and quarterbacks. I think it's a high risk, high reward situation when you put two players from the same offense on your team and you start both of them in one week. You know, if it's a matchup against a team like the Jets or the Bengals last year, you know, then you're going to have a pretty good chance of those two players excelling. And so I think in those situations, you're going to want a good backup on your bench in order to switch it out. If you're going to play a team, you know, like the Buccaneers or the Chiefs that have really stellar defenses that you're only going to rely on one of those people and try to get a person that's going up against a lesser defense. So it's it's an interesting question that you pose because I, I just advocated for a quarterback wide receiver combo, but I have to be honest. I see where you're coming from, where you're saying if you're not passing, you're running and vice versa. But my biggest issue with it is, is that like, it, it, let's, let's say hypothetically that you're, you're talking Michael Thomas and, and uh, you know, Kamara. My biggest problem here is that Michael Thomas might not have a great game and it could still go to another wide receiver. And I mean, it's, it, it, it Kamara is still going to get some, you know, he's still going to get some points, right? But the problem that I have with it is, is that it, it may not be a run day, especially, you know, talking about Sean Payton, he's so evil. That's that's one of the situations you can run into. Um, so I, when we're talking a wide receiver with a running back, I think it's a little bit harder for me to say, oh, yeah, you should you should draft a combo. I was actually just reading an article um, about an hour or two before we're recording this, and it was talking about draft safety, um, in terms of, you know, do you, how, how risky are you going to play? How safe are you going to play? And I feel like that's one of those things. If you have the option for a deep bench, uh, like in our league right now, I think you could probably do it safely, um, and not be stuck in a position where you're like, well, I have to play these two. Um, because when you come into thinking about it, well, you do have to have two players that you replace on a bye week Um, so that, that is going to be a little bit tougher. Um, but it's also it's also easy in our league because you'll have that option with the waiver wire where there's still going to be good competitive people that you can pick up. Um, but if you're in a deeper league, I think that becomes, uh, uh, like you said, high risk, high reward. I, I feel like that there's more risk in there than potential payoff reward because only one of those two players is is going to have higher numbers than the other, you know, what, whatever's working that day. Uh, especially you start talking about like it's been the Derrick Henry show there in um, Tennessee for so long. And yeah, sure. So now Julio Jones is coming in. So, you know, the, the run play could be more successful. The pass play could be more successful, but it's such a gamble. How do you, how do you decide like, Oh, okay, well maybe, maybe today I'm going to go with this, you know, this wide receiver. Uh, but you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to take Derek Henry today. I'm just going to take Julio Jones and I'll, and I'll pick up another running back for the day to put in. Um, so I think, well, I think that's a, that's a hard one to kind of. Oh, Okay. I thought, sorry, let me, you, let me, you, let me, you, you let me yeah, I, w- I was waiting because I didn't, I okay. didn't know if you were coming in. So the oh, one no, thing I that I will say, yeah, the one thing that I'm going to say is, um, you know, I, I did just advocate for it, but I, I'm probably at the end of the day, if I have to really, if I'm, I like to play it safe, 
Um, just like the stock market, diversify. I'm probably going <laughs> to go, yeah, I'm probably going to, and try not to pick up too many combos. Uh, I'm going to play it safe. Unless I'm in one of those positions where, you know, it's the last week and I got to, and I got to pull something off and I know I can get a good combo. I'm probably going to play it safe and diversify and, uh, and not, not have two players on the, you know, from the same team. Yeah. So the biggest reason why I bring it up is because last year with that odd draft that we had, um, you know, with a few people auto drafting, just letting it pick the top, you know, the next best player of the position they needed, blah, 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 whatever. Um, and then people actually picking who they wanted, needed, you know, I kind of got put in weird positions. And so I'll kind of lay out the duos that I had. I had Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. And then the other duo I had was Tom Brady and Ronald Jones, the second, the running back. Um, and so it was very odd because whenever Tom Brady threw, I got points. Whenever, whenever Ronald Jones ran, I got points. Whenever, uh, um, oh no, whenever Kirk Cousins threw, I most likely got points as long as it wasn't Dalvin Cook or their tight end. Um, and so it, you asked the question, you know, how do you play that? You know, how do you make that choice? And it was tough because CD Lamb was another option I had. Um, I forget my other people. I think at one point I had Julio Jones or Calvin Ridley. Um, but, you know, it, it's tough. You know, you have to kind of pick, you know, oh, Adam Thielen went off against this team. Um, oh, Justin Jefferson went off against this guy. And, you know, that's why I kind of suggested the running back wide receiver duo instead of wide receivers, because that was probably the hardest one to do. Um, because each week I was I was deciding, should I play a guy on a different team um, instead of this duo? Uh, because will Kirk Cousins be able to throw to somebody different? And, you know, so I was just curious what you guys thought, because, you know, why not? Uh, because I got stuck in that situation where the next best wide receiver who I thought could put up with good points was Justin Jefferson. The next, you know, my good running back I picked up was Ronald Jones. And obviously my first pick, like I said, was Tom Brady. So, you know, I was like, well, that's not going to be too bad, but I was just curious what you guys thought. Um, but uh, you I know, think Austin, it, what do you think? I think it heavily varies on who, what team we're talking about and you have to know, I mean, you, you really just kind of have to know. I mean, like, if if you were talking about a, a player that there are two players that are playing with Tom Brady, it's 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 going to be a lot safer than um, you know let's say this year if you were talking about a tight end um, and let's just say Logan Thomas from Washington right um, and and you've got Ryan Fitzpatrick under center where Fitzpatrick is good some days and some days he's just not on you know not on with it uh, I would say that would be and it's it's an interesting combo. Because if they're on, they're both probably going to do very well, um, especially when we're talking about Washington. But if Fitzpatrick is having a bad day, I guarantee you none of his pass catchers are going to be having that great of a day either. Uh, so it, it, it's kind of one of those things, I think, if you're looking at this objectively, you have to look at, you know, what two positions are we talking about? And, you know, if if one of them fails, is the other one still going to have a good day? In this case, we're talking about a tight end. He's probably not going to have a good day. But if it was his running back, you know, it, it's going to be his fail safe. Um, so, you know, you, you might still get some points there. So I think that's one of those things you really kind of have to look at much more than just, you know, some of, some of the basic things. You're going to have to get in some subsurface level. And you're also going to have to look at what defense you're playing against. Uh, because, we you know, we, we know that defense is can make or break um or if you're idp it's gonna you know there's gonna it's gonna get a bit more complicated than that too so yeah austin what, what are your thoughts on it 
No, yeah, I totally agree. It's going to be totally matchup based. You know, when I ran Aaron Rodgers with Jordy Nelson, I did not do it matchup based, but those two together were maybe one of the best quarterback wide receiver combos to ever have played the game. So I was scoring points, you know, up the wazoo. When it comes to other quarterbacks, you know, you brought up Fitzpatrick as a great example. If I had him and one of his wide receivers, it would be totally matchup based. It would be how, you know, is it going to be Fitz magic this week or is it going to be Fitz tragic? And how am I going to balance that and make that work? The duo that I think I've used it a lot and I think it can be a good duo is a quarterback kicker duo. I know that sounds a little weird, but if you've got a really good offense with a good quarterback, you know, they're going to get to the end zone a lot and you're going to get a lot of points from your quarterback or maybe even from the running back. And then having that kicker there to give you those few extra points, you know, that way at least you're scoring points anytime the offense has the ability to score points. No, I'll definitely give you that. That that's it's a good combo. I think I I'm focusing more on on just the actual aspect of during the immediate downs who, you know, what combo are you looking at? Um but yeah, absolutely. You can definitely get a great kicker out there uh who's going to capitalize on that. And I think that's why when you look at maybe, you know, Aaron Rodgers and his kicker or, you know, um even in Seattle. I mean, you can you can normally get some pretty good points there. Now obviously Seattle has a we've seen them bite the bullet on that one and it not pay off but uh you know it, it's one of those situations where i think yeah you can get away with that uh on a high scoring offense a lot more often i mean even even not in that position if you were if you were even to take um i can't think of who the kicker is right now or kansas city but patrick mahomes is going to get pretty close almost you know 90 percent of the time or even 80 percent of the time if you wanted to scale it back uh, to probably get you within kicking range where you can capitalize and you know your kicker's probably going to do pretty well. But also when you have Patrick Mahomes drafted, you're also going to be getting pretty close to the end zone most of the time anyways. So I think that's a good payoff there where you know, okay, hey, I'm getting an extra point here. I might get, you know, I might get some here. But at the same time, we've also seen kickers who uh, shank kicks <laughs> in situations. Yeah. What? Hmm? Oh yeah, oh, I've yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure yeah. if you're the Bears, you you I... what's well, not it's not like their quarterback was making it any better for him either, though. So no, I I I don't think I'd ever pick the Bears kicker ever. Um, well, they have the worst on... luck. I don't know why. I don't, I don't know what happens. The Bears anymore. It doesn't matter. It doesn't right. matter. I don't think they ever get better. Chicago's um, the windy city, isn't it? It doesn't matter. Something's wrong. What is, is, so <laughs> you is, can't shake kicks that badly well, and on, say it's on. the wind's fault. <laughs> well, I, well, I mean, hang on. I'm not making excuses for Chicago, but you brought it up, and so okay, now good. I have, I have, I have a curious, I have a curious mind here. Okay, so I believe Chicago is the windy city. Now, my next question is led to led me to wonder: Is Soldier Field indoor or is it an open roof? While you look that up, I'm gonna bring something up. So. You know, bringing our beautiful, wonderful, most amazing wives back into the conversation. Um, one of the two of the people that that my wife stole from Austin right before he's going to take him was first off, don't do this to anybody listening. Don't do this with your fantasy team. Do not pick two kickers. One, two. Um, Will Lutz is not as good of a kicker as I'm going to butcher his name. So I'm going to go with just last name. Koo, uh, the Asian kicker, uh, Koo off of the Falcons, <laughs> oh, um, which come on. which he is amazing um that fool was putting up points left and right getting special uh special teams some points for some uh for some 
kickoff returns. So let me pose you guys a question with kickers. I know that's kind of a weird thing. Nobody really talks about kickers with fantasy, but I'm not going to lie. My wife sometimes was saved by the kicker um, by playing coup last year. So do you guys pick a kicker who, you know, like Tampa Bay, like the, uh, like uh, the Packers, do you pick a kicker who, you know that their team will go down and score almost every drive and you'll get at least one extra point every drive. Or do you pick somebody like Koo off the Falcons where the team gets close but doesn't make it and he gets you three or four points, however your team, uh, however your league bases kicker points. What do you think, Austin? You know, it's really hard because I've picked both and I have excelled because of both and I have really been bit hard because of both. You know, going back to last year with... Michael's wife taking my kicker. She took Will Lutz from me. And as a New Orleans man, of course, I love Will Lutz. And I know Michael just advocated against him. But I've thrown this in as a person that has watched the Saints very closely for years. I have a lot of faith and confidence in Will Lutz's ability from close up and from far. Yeah, sure. He has a shank once in a while. Every kicker does. It's, you know, part of the game. But as far as my confidence, you know, when Will Lutz goes up to kick, and if Sean Payne is confident putting Will Lutz kicking from where he's kicking, I'm going with a 99% chance that Will Lutz is going to put that ball in between. And so for me, I think it really bases off who I like as a kicker. For me, you know, I'll pick Will Lutz above almost any other kicker in the league. In that case where Will Lutz gets taken from me, then I start to look, you know, as Michael put it, I don't really know which way I would argue for. Since I've, I've done both, you know, I see the side of picking someone like Kansas City or, you know, picking somebody like Green Bay that they're going to get close and they're going to get in the end zone a lot. And so you're going to get a lot of extra points. And I've also played the game of like, well, this team can move down the field, but they can't ever score in the red zone. And so I'm going to be, you know, getting my three points here, there and everywhere. So I, I don't ha- I don't know. I'm, I'm in, on the fence about that. So I'm, I'm in a similar position as you. I will say this, though. Ravens fan. So I gotta be a big fan of Justin Tucker. But so I'm I am nine times out of ten, I'm going to take the easy points because when you start playing somebody where your matchup is going to be very back and forth, sure, you know, you might you uh, uh you know, it might be nice to to have a guy who comes in who's going for field goals. But if you're playing in an open top stadium, that wind can come in and it can be disastrous. And what should have been an easy extra point or should have been an easy field goal gets lost for you real quick. In the per- and if the other team has that easy that easy field goal uh, or extra point, I mean, uh, then th- that, that changes things real quick. So nine times out of 10, I'm going to take Justin Tucker. Uh, you know, or, or even, uh, Harrison Butler or, or Butker, I should, I think is his name. Um, yeah. yeah, From Kansas city, because I want, I want those extra points. I, I just, I want the easy points, free points are the best points. Right. Um, however, there is something to be said about picking somebody like, again, I hate using this as an example because I'm not a Cowboys fan, but there's something to be said about picking somebody like a Greg Zerillion, uh, from Dallas, where sure the Cowboys may not always, um, you know, they may not always make it down the field, but you can always count on at least when Jason Garrett was coach. Mike McCarthy are a little bit different going on here in Dallas, but you know, at least at least then in that era, um, you could count on they were probably going to take a field goal 
and we've had, you know, they've had some bad kickers. Um, and I do watch the Cowboys. My parents like to watch the Cowboys. A lot of friends who watch it. So I end up watching a lot of Cowboys games. Um, but you know, it's nice to be able to say, Hey, you know, I got, I got some extra points cause we went for the field goal here. Oh, well, you know, here's another, you know, here's some more points, especially, uh, in a, you know, a PPR league, you know, some of these things where you can get a few extra points from it. Um, so again, nine times out of 10, I'm probably going to take the free points because free points are the best. Um, but if, you know, if you're trying to make a statement, something can be said about taking, you know, trying to get some of those extra points that you're not going to get from free points. I totally get it. Um, I, I know Austin wants to say something, but can you real quick say Greg's last name one more time? Zerillion. Okay. Um, I want everybody to make a mental note of that, 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 Michael says his name like that, and then I'll pass the mic back off to Austin. Um, I have to agree, Mike. I think a lot can be said for a kicker who is kicking indoors all the time, and maybe that's part of my reason for having so much confidence in Will Lutz. You know, you look at the Saints. The Saints have a, have a dome, so at least half of his games every season, he's kicking indoors, but it's even more than that. Atlanta has a dome. Even look at where the Saints are usually playing. They play in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay usually has pretty good weather. It's that beautiful Florida. They play in Carolina. Carolina's weather can be a little iffy, but you know it depends on the day. And so a lot can be said for picking a, a good kicker who is going to spend half of his time kicking indoors. Because indoors, you know, you lose that wind, you lose the rain, snow, whatever you're playing in. And it really comes down to how good is that kicker? You remove a lot of variables and it comes down just to does that kicker have the power and does that kicker have the accuracy? Yeah. I mean, those are, those are definite factors. And so before we, we really start talking about this, one of the things that you had me just Google just now. Okay. So Chicago is known as the windy, uh, the windy city. All right. Mm -hmm. And it is an open top stadium. Yes. So part of me really is curious. I mean, Chicago had an issue with that. So part of me really wants to know is he was that kicker they had was he really that bad of a kicker or how much of that plays into you're in an open top stadium in 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 the town known as the Windy City. So let me give let me give some kind of aid to this. I was a kicker in high school. I did it for one year. Um so it's not like, you know, anything crazy. I played soccer, so I understand how wind affects a ball. But for that one year I kicked my senior year of high school. First off, 100% didn't miss, okay? And I had a lot of attempts, okay? Never missed. And growing up where I grew up in Southern California, we had all kinds of crazy winds. We had the Santa Ana winds blow through, through fall, all the time. And I remember very vividly, one of the games we had, the wind was super bad. And I was literally kicking the ball wide, wide right, or wide left, based on which side of the field like we were going down. Um, and... The wind plays such a factor and you know i like to tease the bears just because i know they all hate the fact that they had those problems um we'd have to look over the video and see how the wind was going you know because if we can see those there's flags at the top of the poles if we see them not moving it's the kicker um because it wasn't raining I, I remember vividly the kick i'm thinking of it's not raining so we knew we know it's not that so unless the the holder held it wrong um which you know there's many ways to hold the football wrong. Um, I mean, really, 
you're gonna have to you know look at those flags on top and were they playing at home because if they weren't playing at home they could have been in a closed stadium um but yeah i mean wind plays a huge role in it um on top of that you've got to have enough time to actually get the ball over the line and high enough so that somebody can't smack it um but then distance plays a role in that because you got to kick it lower as the the goal line is farther um is your holder going to hold it correctly? Is he going to hold the laces in the correct position so that you kick it and it gets the right angle, the right spin? There is so much that goes into kicking. And I know it's a very hard job. But I just like giving crap to the Bears because I know all those fans, you know, cry every time they think about anything kicker related. Anytime the game is on the line with a kicker, I think most Bears fans just leave the stadium because they don't want to watch what's about to happen. They don't have any faith. So, um, I mean, really, it's going to play a lot into it. Um, I think Austin had something to say. Yeah, I think anytime you put the kicker on the... I feel bad for kickers, you know? They're the guy that never goes out on the field. You know, their jersey always looks really fresh. They always look like they're having a really good time. And then they go out on the field, and, you know, they're on the field, what, you know, maybe 15 times a game max? Depends on how good your team is doing that day. And they get thrown in these situations where they're kicking from, you know, 30, 40, 50 plus yards to win a game and they shank it and all the fans boo and everyone says, oh, if we had a better kicker, oh, our kicker sucks. Oh, if, you know, this, this, that and that, they don't look back and go, well, what happened the other four quarters? They look at the kicker and go, you did not perform the one time we needed you to perform. And they failed to look at the, well, they, he made every extra point today. He made the other three attempted field goals he made. He just happened to have, you know, slightly missed, or maybe he totally shanked, but that's a lot of pressure to be put under. Well, I think, I think there's also, now, I'm a huge fan of, of Pat McAfee, right? And he's always talking about punters and kick, you know, and, and, and for the, you know, everything like that, right? And so... It's one of those things where I feel like, though, if you are a punter or a kicker, I feel like you also should know your job, you know, like, hey, I'm probably going to be in some situations where if I don't make this, like, they, they like that, that this is this is the game on the line. Like, I have to make the, you know, to to do this. Um, so I think it's one of those things where, like, you, you kind of have to know, like, hey, I may not be on the field much. Uh, and when I fail or when I don't do my job, even if it's super difficult, like people notice it and they just, you know, you have one thing to do and you should do it well. So I, I feel like it's one of those, like, you can't win if you're in that situation type deal. Cause you're not always going to make a hundred percent of your kicks, right? Like, it, you know, mm -hmm. there's no way in your entire career that's going to happen. Uh, so I feel like you're kind of in, in a no win situation there because you can't always make them all. Uh, and, yeah. and your fans are going to get upset over it. But I do think it's ironic, though, that Chicago would have a kicker uh, going for field goals and, you know, extra points and stuff in an open-top stadium in a town known as the Windy City. I mean, I, there, there's some irony in there that I'm sure some people are just like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. He should be better at his job. But I got to be honest, <laughs> I find it pretty funny. I mean, yeah, it's it takes a lot of work. I have no idea how far he was kicking from. So, I mean... I'm just going to ask, ask a quick question, um, kind of bring it back to the main bit of kickers. You know, do, are you going to base your kicker, you know, whether you're going to mostly aim for one point or four, you know, three or four, however your team does it with the field goals. 
Um, are you going to base your kicker choice on how good you think your uh, the rest of your fantasy offense is? Austin, what do you think? Yes or, you know, which one? I mean, I don't really know if that's going to sway my decision. At least for me, I, I go into the draft and I have an idea of who I want to draft. And a lot of the times, you know, you get screwed over. So-and-so draft so-and-so. You didn't see that coming. And so you have to make kind of a lot of on-the-fly choices. And I think when it comes down to kicker, I just go in, no matter what, no matter who else I'm drafting, when it comes to kicker, I go in kind of as I talked before, you know, I'm going to go with who am I confident in. And then besides that, you know, I'll, I'll look at, okay, is this a team that's going to make the end zone a lot and I'm going to get those one points? Or is this a team that's going to be close? Is this going to be a team that can't make it past the 50-yard line and my kicker is constantly kicking, you know, 50, 55-plus yard field goals? And I'm going to start thinking about that. But for me, when it comes down to a kicker, I'm going to come with who I'm most confident with. You know, whether that's someone like Will Lutz, someone like Justin Tucker, um, someone like whatever his name is for Atlanta, Koo. And so that's my biggest choice on a kicker. I don't base it a lot on you know, how their offense does. I look at that, but I go with, you know, who am I confident in? Who am I confident in that, whether they're kicking an extra point or they're kicking that 50-yarder to win the game, that they are going to perform and they're going to, you know, not shank it, not miss it most of the time. You know, we get freebies once in a while. People mess up. But who am I confident in that 97, 98% of the time, they're going to excel exactly as I want them to? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I have to agree. I've got a list of kickers that I have in mind. Um, I'm not going to lie. This is probably going to be one of those years where my kicker is going to be somebody who consistently makes some extra points. If they have to go up and make some field goals, I'm going to be confident that, uh, you know, they're going to be able to do that. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to take the free points. That, okay. That's what, that's what I want. I want, I want the free points. Um, yeah, I was, I was just curious. So figured I'd ask. Yes, absolutely. And unfortunately, this is going to be the end of the show. We ran a little bit over today. Thank you so much to Austin for coming on our show, being our first guest. Uh, it means a lot to us and to all of our listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, again, we apologize for not having an episode pop out last week, and we look forward to seeing you all next time.